Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it is time for Canada's hardest working economist to join us. And it's been a hard working month for you this month, uh, Eric. It's been, uh, this has been an eventful one. Yeah, only two weeks off of vacation for me. I've been working for, you know, my greatest regret, Dave, is that I I did go on holiday. It was lovely, notwithstanding five missed flights, but it was good. We'll forget <laughs> the transportation adventures that were part of it. Uh, but I decided I would work the Monday before flying out in the evening. And I thought, oh, I'll, you know, catch up on some reading and so on. That was the Monday that the banks were failing left and right. That proved to be a rather more uh, busy day than I budgeted for. I got tasked with kind of writing the emergency article for the for the firm and was doing that until four and like the taxi was 415 and then I had to start editing other things on the ride to the airport and so I, I could have done with a bit of a smoother journey but in any event it, it's been a busy month even if I wasn't here for the whole thing. This is why you're Canada's hardest working economist because other economists just would have hopped on the flight and forgot everything you had to get in there and provide that support and that uh, that insight into what was going on. Uh, I also ended up working uh, most of my vacation because because of that. So 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 let let let's talk about that because we we the, the last time we got together we were on the on the uh, February jobs report in in early March and and we we just gone through a series of data you know coming in in Feb through February and early March that started to suggest that maybe you know inflation just wasn't coming down the job market just continue to be strong and i think you were even kind of questioning yourself in terms of like geez i've got i've had this forecast i've been bang on until now and then all of a sudden things are just aren't slowing down as much as we expected but boom uh here comes the uh the i guess the cracks that the fed likes to uh or, or break the the break of something that the the Fed wants, and things are kind of, you know, kind of where you had always thought we'd we'd be about here, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I you know, I didn't have particular bank names in mind or anything quite like that. Sure, but sure. When, when, yeah. when we talk about uh, interest rates going up, and that's been the theme as as central banks respond to inflation, you know, there are traditional economic channels, and so those have proven a little slow in coming. And so, just yeah, yeah. you know, higher borrowing costs are supposed to slow down spending plans, and they're supposed to increase discount rates, which discourage uh, you know risk taking and investing and all those sorts of things. And so, uh, you know, th th those will still happen, and I think we see bit bits of that happening. But it's it's t it is taking a sweet time, if I'm being fair. Uh, and maybe part of it is because, you know, inflation adjusted rates are still pretty low when you do it that sure. way. Um, but, but, you know, the other channel, and it happens most times, is that you get some financial distress or contagion from higher interest rates. And, you know, as much as, of course, you know, re regional U.S. banks and, you know, I guess Credit Suisse are maybe in the, the headlines now. And let's circle back to those in a moment. I mean, we did get British pension funds last September. Um, it's yeah. probably a bit yes. of a stretch to claim that you know, crypto problems were also in there, but you know, the, 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 the funny things happen when when you know variables start moving, yeah. and so maybe may, yeah. you could stretch yourself in that direction. But you know, quite clearly, what's happened recently is related to higher interest rates, and so I won't go through the boring details. You've done that with Stu Kedwell and probably with others at this juncture. Yeah, but sure. you know, we've seen some regional banks that have had distress. They were. Uh, you know, special in the sense that they were very skewed towards a particular sector, tech sector that was struggling and money was already coming out and they were bigger clients who then weren't protected fully by deposit insurance. And, you know, this particular, I guess, Silicon Valley Bank in particular had a lot of bonds in its portfolio when it hadn't hedged the bonds and they were long dated bonds and it bought a lot of those bonds in 2020 and 2021 just because it was growing so fast. So that was when they had assets to purchase, but it was at the yeah. peak of the bond market and, in theory, uh, losses 
on bonds in a bank don't matter that much so long as you get to hold the bond to maturity, which was surely the plan uh, because yes. you get restored to par. But then when money starts flowing out, you need to crystallize those losses and they ended up uh, insolvent. So, I mean, that, that's kind of a long, gory story there. And we've seen a few other banks in a similar situation and the government has you know, let it fairly credibly stepped in with a liquidity program that in theory means that anybody else with a similar sort of paper loss that could render them illiquid or insolvent, they, they, they should be liquid and at least, you know, solvent in a, in a pragmatic sense over the next year in any event. So, uh, so that, that's all fine and good, but I think you do circle back to the idea that, uh, yeah, we're seeing some financial problems arise. That makes sense. Uh, I, I presume we will continue to see some measure of distress in different places, and I'm not quite clever enough to say whether it's a few of the other regional banks that are struggling or whether it's uh, you know emerging market borrowers, a quarter of whom can't easily access the market, or it's private market. I mean, there's lots of places that are levered and borrowing and experience some, some stress when rates go higher, but it's fair to say that this is also a relevant channel for dampening the economy. And so you think about how people are behaving after this banking stress versus before, and uh, you know, risk taking surely is down and credit yes. standards are surely tightening. And so you have consequence in particular, maybe U.S. Uh, commercial real estate seems to be quite intertwined with the regional mm -hmm. banking sector in particular. Uh, and uh, and so you know, all, all and financial conditions have, have ultimately tightened, you know, right? Spreads are wider and things like this. It's almost as though the Fed hike rates a few times, uh, maybe just in terms of the actual borrowing costs that people might now face. And so all of that does dampen the economy. Um, so what have we done? Yeah, we've, we've had moments of doubt. There always are when you're making these big, bold calls. Sure. But um, it's always made sense that there should be a recession, just given the magnitude of the tightening and the inverted yield curves and any number of a laundry list of, of, of arguments sure. as to why you'd normally get a recession coming out of this. But, you know, now, now we're getting this other box that's being ticked as well. And so uh, I guess for what it's worth, and this is very much a hazy, inexact science, and no one's allowed to ask for the underlying model here, but you know, we were <laughs> saying the risk of recession was about 70% over the next year. We just bumped it to 80%. I mean, this is still such a weird, weird post-pandemic environment that I wouldn't want to talk in, in, in certainties or 100% likelihoods, but it's, it's, it's more likely than it was before. And you know, we're, we're certainly very content to maintain a below consensus growth forecast because we, we think there is some, some damage that comes from that. So I, I guess that's the the long story, not so short. So, 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 so the, so the, 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 the view on on the the the, the um, percentage forecast on the recession goes up. Any any change in terms of your view of the depth of that recession or length of that recession? Does it, or is? Yeah. I mean, that's that's hard to do anyways, right? At the best of times. Right. But but as anything that's happened make you think that there's the potential that it's a little bit more severe. I think, I mean, that, that scenario at a minimum exists. I mean, the, the downside yes. risks were, were significant before, and we had a big long list, uh, you know, six months ago, and, sure. and many of them are still there, and there's still debt ceiling this, and there's still, you know, Japan, right? I mean, there's another spot where rising rates could be tricky in Japan, where you've got zombie sure. firms and lots of public debt and things like that. Um, but uh, so we revisit formally the forecasts over the next couple of weeks. So I don't have a brand spanking new number for you to share. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it would make sense that the risk is a bit more. So we've kind of in recent uh, quarters been saying mild to middling recession, a number that really kind of straddles the fence between those two outcomes. And you know, maybe back to back to the middling story we had going there a little while ago. So I, I think that's it. I still don't think there are, are too many parallels to the global financial crisis. I know it's it's tempting to argue there are because, gee, you tally up all the 
the paper bond market losses and it's you know, you know six seven hundred billion dollars that is a pretty big number and gosh you start comparing it to the capital of banks and you know you could could, could could be some challenges there but you know keep in mind nobody has to crystallize those losses now with this liquidity program in place and so uh, and, and we know what bonds do over you know their over their full term which is they do return to their par value and so I, I, I don't see it as being quite the same uh, we, we don't have a collapsing housing market we don't have you know problematic disintermediation we don't have opaqueness around these little understood uh, asset-backed uh, products yeah. that, that were, was previously the case but you know m most importantly and I think this number is right uh, the average bank is two to three times better capitalized than it was that's in right. 2008 2009 yes. and that gives you a pretty good amount of rope before you run into into, into trouble so uh, you know that this 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 is banking sector and it is financial stress and you know, we saw with Credit Suisse, I mean, the Credit Suisse, it wasn't, to my knowledge, that it was, you know, banking or rather bond market losses. It was more, this was, you know, effectively a non-viable bank ever yeah, since the global financial, that doesn't make money. Yeah. Uh, and it was already saying it had no plans to make money over the next three years or so, I believe. And I think just, you know, the stress elsewhere, people said, well, I think we probably had enough with, with this. And uh, so UBS took over. Poor UBS CEO somehow lost his job in the middle. I'm a bit perplexed about that one. But anyhow, uh, UBS took over and you know, that new entity seems to be amply capitalized and have ample liquidity. And, and you know, people made a run at Deutsche Bank. But again, it seems like it's a viable bank. Seems and so like, yes. uh, in the end, you know, problems do surface when rates are rising and, and concern is, is high. But uh, at this juncture, at least, I don't see why it has to be a, another global financial crisis. And so that, that, that's what avoids, to answer your question most indirectly, that, that's why I don't think it has to be a profoundly deep recession. Yes, yes. and, and uh, uh, we, we mixed in all of that, uh, please join us in two weeks for Eric's next uh, appearance when he has all of his new forecasting out. Uh, as you're as you're uh, crunching those numbers over the two weeks, so that's a little tease for a future episode. Uh, just one one more thing around uh, around the, the the banking sector and 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 the the, the response from 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 uh, the, the the central bank is does that worry you longer term the way the the, the way the, the the you know I guess government agencies have have come in and. And, and backed all these deposits and put up that, you know, that trading counter to take those, you know, those bonds that are mistimed relative to the deposits that, that, that are on the bank's books. Uh, does, does that, as an economist, I wanted to ask you this, you know, moral hazard is, is, is does this worry you longer term that this could create bigger problems in, in the system somewhere down the road? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it does worry me a little bit, right? I mean, this is, this yeah. is, it's not quite a bailout, but it's sort of a, bailout kind of thing. And uh, so it, in theory, it does encourage a bit more risk taking down the line. Now, you know, do let the record know and people people grumbled about this a lot during the global financial crisis. And you know, rightly so there was a lot of money directed towards bad behaving banks. But keep in mind, you know, not too many bankers benefited enormously from that event, right? I mean, you know, the, the bad behaving banks, the equity was more or less wiped out and the CEOs were out on the street and, and that sort of thing. And so uh, I wouldn't say it was, uh, you know, the conclusion was, hey, let's do this again and get get a bailout again. It was, it was uh, you know, ultimately a very painful experience for all parties. So I wouldn't want to be 
quite so glib as to say, hey, it's you know, party time for banks now that they know that if they make a mistake, the, their depositors are maybe okay. Uh, but, but, but equally, yeah, I mean, when, when, when you do this sort of thing, it does encourage a bit more risk taking. And you know, I, think, I think the thing that, that maybe bothered people the most was that you know, these two banks that failed were given 100% deposit insurance on the whole, the whole sum. And that wasn't the promise. There's a whole insurance system in place. And it's even yeah. a bit unfair to the extent that you know, other banks are now going to be levied a, a surcharge effectively to compensate for that. And, you know, maybe the reality is if someone else failed, you know, a year from now that you'd see them also enjoy the same benefits. So maybe it's not quite so unique or special, but uh, it's, it's not great when you have an insurance program and then you change the rules every time the insurance program uh, gets 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 tapped. Uh, it was a little bit like the cocoa bond story in Switzerland. And maybe everyone said, yes. well, normally, under normal circumstances, we wouldn't have wiped out the cocoa bondholders first. Well, there's never a normal circumstance when a bank is failing or <laughs> you know, cocoa bonds yes. are failing. So I, I wasn't sure that had a whole lot of meaning to me. I, I, I will say I feel a lot better that other countries don't have that same funny clause in their cocoa bonds. And so it seems like uh, yeah. they are further up the capital structure and, and people can feel fairly confident in those. And it is a nice way to pick up extra return in exchange for a, a spot on the bond hierarchy anyhow but uh you know i don't know no, no, normal never really apply it's the whole mike tyson everyone's got a plan till they get punched in the face, in the face the yeah, yes kind of out the window here so uh yeah i mean i think it's inevitable that there was some of this and i think the, the government broadly chose the right solutions but 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 equally you know banks that misbehaved are now able to tap uh this liquidity do, do note by the way the liquidity is far from free though right they're paying about 4.7 percent oh, yes. yes. for this borrowing cost and so if you were a non-viable bank if you just did not have a business model that worked that would be a big problem and you would run into trouble anyhow and so i take some solace that they are you know, this is really is reasonably expensive. The government is, I don't know, is turning a profit is the right term, but nevertheless, the government is is charging a proper fee for this yep. service. And you know, keep in mind, I guess in a worst case scenario where a bank were to fail, despite using that that service, and I, it's hard to fathom that, but despite that, well, you know, the central bank uh, does not experience short term financial stresses, and so it would then just hold those bonds to maturity, and it, it would feel pretty assured of getting its its full value back. So, yeah, there, there's the risk of a bit too much risk taking, but equally, uh, I'd rather maybe the way to put it is I'd rather they do those things then cut the policy rate in response to this because yes. central banks have this very tricky situation where there's still too much inflation. Yes. Uh, and yeah. so that's kind of in the priority. Suddenly you have this new thought, which is you know financial stress and the normal instinct is to cut rates, but there's this tension between the two things. I, I personally think they need to stay focused on inflation. Inflation, by the way, is looking a little better recently. The PC deflator has come down a bit in the latest uh, numbers in any event. Uh, and so I, I, I'd like them to keep focusing on inflation and deal with the banking stress via these other tools. So I'm, ultimately, I'm, I'm resigned to this being the, the, the best of a bad set of, of, of options. And I guess I will say as, as much as I think they need to stay focused on inflation, uh, I, I do get that central banks probably don't need to tighten quite as much as before just because the market did it for them, right? Financial yes, conditions yes. just tighten, spreads are wider. That is worth a bit, a bit of tightening. I'm not quite convinced we're getting cuts in the near term, but uh, nevertheless, uh, they do need to hike a little less than before. Yeah, and, and so the, the, the policy response here, the, the, the response that the central bank had and, and governments is, is it, it, it stops that, you know, that line up in front of the bank window you know, pounding the door in the, the it's a wonderful life uh, uh, reference you can go to go if, you, if a lot of people watch that watch, have seen that movie uh, the run on the bank or uh, in in today's world the uh, you know pull up your uh, your smartphone and push the withdrawal button uh, to, to to take your deposits out it just sort of says to everyone okay we don't have to do that because we're we're good calms things down and and then we move forward uh, now now let's just finish off because you, you you did already reference it. 
the PCE deflator number out this morning and uh, a little bit better than expected, which is a reversal of where we were in when we referenced the, at the front of the uh, the podcast, what the numbers we were getting in February for January. Right. So, and, and this is the one the Fed really likes, right? I mean, in terms of yeah. measuring inflation. Yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, because of the backstory, of course, inflation has been much too high. Inflation started to cooperate in North American context around the middle of last year. So we had some nice months there where we're really pounding our way lower in inflation. And we entered 2023 with good momentum. And then, you know, January data was sort of iffy. Gas went up a bit and some other things didn't come down that much. And uh, we had February CPI already. It was, again, it was okay. The annual numbers are falling, but just the monthly trend, you start to do the math and say, ooh, we're still kind of stuck around a 5% annualized rate here, which isn't quite what we want. It's not 10 anymore, but it's not 2 either. Uh, but you're right. So that, then we just got the PC deflator for February as well. Uh, this is the Fed's favorite measure, so we, we certainly should pay attention to it. And it did, uh, for once, cooperate a little bit. So we, we got a slightly better than expected outcome. And so overall, the overall deflator fell from 53 to 5.0%. So, I mean, 4.9 still a high rate of inflation, but I'll take some, you know, symbolic uh, celebration when we get below that. So we're on the cusp of that. And actually, the core PC deflator, again, annual, uh, did just do that. So it's now down to 4.6% year over year. And that was, again, a little bit less than the market had assumed. And you know, to be honest, with the annual numbers, it's almost baked into the cake that you get an improvement every month just because we had such incredibly right. large monthly gains a year ago. They're right. falling out. Yeah. You know, the, the question really is, yeah. what do the monthly numbers look like here? And you know, not bad. So we got, you know, 0.3% monthly gains. And, you know, anyone who's good with math will know that does sort of annualize up to 35 or 4% inflation. So this is not to say that we are totally back to a normal trend here. But, you know, for context, you know, re- recent months of the CPI were kind of going 0.4s and 0.5s. And so you know, I'm feeling pretty good about, you know, clicking along at 0.3s here. Again, each month can be different. There's no guarantees here. But I will say the very tentative evidence I've seen for March is looking promising for inflation. I've, I've seen a few real-time measures that are really falling in March. I've, I've seen a couple of references. I, I guess we know that, you know, oil prices have fallen in March and yes. those sorts of things. And so I, I think the March data is going to look pretty good. And so I'm, I'm feeling happy that February maybe wasn't all that bad. So, so, so that gets us to, you know, with that, with that core PC deflator number, we were just talking before we started taping that, you, you know, your Fed funds rate is now above that which is, you know, one of the things that you need to do when you're in a rate hiking cycle is get that Fed funds rate uh, up above the, uh, so create real rates of interest. Um, So you're starting to get pretty confident that we're almost done with that hiking, right? If if things continue to behave this way, we're, we're, we're really getting close to where they're done. I, I think so. I mean, so to begin with, that's certainly what markets think. Market, you know, is even debating whether there is another Fed hike and the thinking is the Bank of Canada is probably done. And there's a little more lifting for the ECB and the Bank of Japan, I suspect, and, you know, the, the Bank of England. But nevertheless, you know, it's, it seems like we're pretty close. And I mean, it makes sense just in that, you know, policy rate is now just about double what a neutral rate would be. We are pretty deep into restrictive territory here. So that's helpful. As you say, uh, you know, one of the twists so far, and maybe one of the reasons there hasn't been that much economic damage yet is is that, well, you know, the real rate, at least if you subtract the policy rate minus, you know, CPI or PCE deflator, uh, it was still a negative number. And so, you know, inflation was just so high that it didn't feel all that restrictive. And so uh, I guess some you know, symbol is just, just, just manifested in the sense that here we are now a core PC deflator of 
4.6, a policy rate that's, you know, like a tenth higher than that or something. And so uh, I, I guess we can, we can say we're, we're positive real rates. As you sort of indirectly alluded to, of course, there's other ways of defining real rates. And yeah, rate yes, yes. So you know, yeah. other measures would already have been positive for a little bit. But nevertheless, uh, th th that tells us we're, we're making some progress. But I guess the bigger signal is just that uh, inflation is coming down, maybe not perfectly and somewhat fitfully and we may not get all the way to two this year but but nevertheless we're getting some cooperation there and that that is the sole practically the sole focus for central banks right now and i mean the leads and lags are such that you it's an inexact science it's a bit of a guessing game i think that it kind of comes down to the situation in which you know, can you afford to stop if you're not confident that you're on the right trajectory? So it'd be really nice to get a, we have a bit of a pause here because at least in the U.S. we don't get the next rate decision until May. And so, you know, yes. we are going to get another month worth of inflation data. I think it might look pretty good. We're going to get a better sense for what this banking stress has has done. And, and maybe there's going to be some greater confidence that we're, we're genuinely on the right path from there. Excellent. Well, uh, Eric, again, thanks. Uh, thanks as always for joining us, and uh, and thanks for all that great work. I'm sure some of the some of the listeners uh, were privy to uh, the work that you did as as that turmoil popped up in the uh, in the banking sector while you were on vacation. And so uh, you're always a great read, a great follow, uh, and uh, we always appreciate you joining. And uh, we're going to look forward to uh, to some of the work that you're doing. Uh, over the next couple of weeks when we check back in with you uh, on the jobs report and the next sets of uh, data that come out. So, uh, Eric, thanks again. Okay, thanks, Dave. Uh, thanks, everyone. Bye. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc. for informational purposes only and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.